Hi, this is Bill Crystal. Yes, I'm still here at the magazine. Unfortunately, so is the Substandard Podcast. Mom? Yeah. I'm pregnant. You gotta get us out of here. Dr. Dr. Shaw said your friends are escaped mental mental patients. She's lying. She's suffering from multiple personality disorder. I'm Dr. Shaw's husband, and unfortunately, what he's saying is true. You gotta believe us. We're not crazy. She's the one who's crazy. I'm beginning to think you're right. I heard her talking. She's planning on having you all lobotomized. Oh, my God. Hello and welcome back again to The Substandard. I'm Victor Mattis along with Jonathan V. Last and Sonny Bunch. This is our Guilty Pleasures episode, which I know sounds like a show on Cinemax after 10 p.m., uh, but it's not. Uh, it's not like we're going to be talking about The Red Shoe Diaries. That's next week's episode. Um, no, we're talking about TV shows, movies we're embarrassed to admit or, you know, that we love. Uh, uh, that we're, but we're letting it all hang out today, and uh, we're, we're, not, we're not afraid to admit these things. And Jonathan's going to elaborate on this uh, in a little while. Um, I'd just like to remind everyone that The Substandard is available on iTunes. Uh, just look under Podcasts and type in Substandard. You will easily find us. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a review. Yeah, just click just click five stars. You don't have to write anything. Just click five stars. And just say so that's awesome. all anybody wants. Awesome. Uh, Four stars if you're feeling mean. Sonny, how are you feeling? Oh, man. Uh, so uh, can I tell you the worst thing about having kids <laughs> is that you're always sick? I know you guys know this because you've been dads forever because you're old. Uh, but I have just recently discovered this that like uh, you, you know that you know that Seinfeld episode where Seinfeld he brags about like not having been s- sick for like twenty years. Right, like, right. You know what that is? That's single person privilege. That, that is yes. single person privilege because I have had uh, vomit inducing stomach viruses twice in six months, and I have I had not had them in literally fifteen years before that. I had not been like sick uh, except for reasons of alcohol consumption. Uh, uh, <laughs> which doesn't really count, let's be honest, uh, uh, for literally like 15 years. I just it didn't never happen to me, and now twice in the last six months. Get used to it. It's going to be a regular thing now. Uh, Jonathan, uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts to add to that, but I just wanted to welcome you back from a week at sea. Uh, to our listeners, Jonathan Last was on the weekly Standard Cruise in the Caribbean. How was it? How did we tape a podcast last week when I- I was at magic. I believe it was magic. There was a special room on the Uh, ship. That's amazing. Holland America has one of the best Skype studios in in the Caribbean. It was great. No, look, it was a super great thing. Anybody who has ever thought about going on the weekly standard cruise should actually just do it. It's a really good time. I uh, everybody there was very nice. All of our readers they promised to vouch for me at the show trials. Um, many of them promised that they would smuggle in cigarettes to me once I was sent to the Trump re-education camps. Uh, so I I came away very happy. It was you know it was, we were in the Caribbean, bouncing around the islands. I had half of my kids with me. They had a good time like building sandcastles and stuff with the children of Mark and Molly Hemingway. Um, and I had this. <laughs> You know, a lot of times you're on the boats, they have a, a real strict segregation of staff from guests. And so it's, it's like being in a hotel where you never see the back of the house, right? You're the front of the house person as a guest, and the back of the house is sort of a mystery. And this was the first time, and maybe there's just been a change of policy, 
that above a certain level in the cruise ship cast system, and it is a real cast system. Oh, sure. I mean, like fully along like ethnic national lines as well as like where you are in the hierarchy uh, of jobs on the boat. Um, so for the first time, I noticed that people above a certain level in the hierarchy were allowed to be like out on deck and, you know, eating in the dining rooms and at the Lido deck. and eating with, with, with the other passengers? With the other passengers. And oh. you could see, you'd see them off duty sometimes. Gosh, that's you'd like see steerage. Them in, it, it is a little it's, – it's interesting. And so I, as a keen observer of the human condition, was very curious about this because I've always wondered what life is like if you work on a cruise ship. And uh, it became pretty clear that it's basically the f- boat. It's <laughs> not the love boat. Not no. the love boat. Right. <laughs> it ain't the love boat. And it's kind of awesome. I mean, it was. It was I felt like uh, I was gazing into an alien culture in a way that's kind of, you know, alluring. interesting and alluring. And you know, these people are all. None of them are over the age of thirty. Most of them are closer to about 24, I would say, and it's like a room springing for many of them. They just get up and, you know, they say, hey, I'm going to go. It's like running away to join the circus. You run away yeah. to join a cruise, a cruise ship for a year or two years, and then I, you come I, back and jump into real life and, you know, get a real job and stuff like that. And it was it was very interesting. I wouldn't have an issue. Uh, I'm not, I don't have claustrophobic issues, but I could have a seasick issue depending on where you are at sea. I think that would be... Uh, the most terrifying part. But there's a lot of things that I find alluring on a cruise ship. And uh, my favorite part of the ship, and I've done these uh, cruises four or five times, is uh, the gym. I love the gym on a ship. You know why? Because there's nobody there. You, know, most you get your, to work out by yourself. Most of your passengers, you know, either they're there to, to eat a lot and to drink a lot and to get some sun, or they're old and they're not going to be, you know, bench pressing or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. No, if so, you're in the yeah. gym on a cruise ship, oh, you're great. the youngest person by 40 years, <laughs> and so you feel like Superman. It makes you feel good. I turned 40 on a cruise ship, and it was one of the best times ever because all the 80-year-olds were telling me, boy, I'd do anything to be 40 again, you know? <laughs> so that was great. And uh, and then after that, I like to, after after a good 30-minute workout, I like to go to the Lido Deck breakfast because, you know, you can't screw up breakfast. You can't screw up eggs, bacon, and sausage. And I'll have like three plates of that. You after know, your workout. After my 30-minute workout. Right. Probably well, burn about 100 calories. Yeah, no, you, well, you're working off the, the at least one strip of bacon. Yes, no, and uh, and, and it's so good. And that's what I love the best. And those little little bars that are in, in, tucked away in little corners of the ship, that's also a great little thing to have. Um, anyway, uh, Sonny, have you done cruises? I went on a cruise once when I was very young with my family. Uh, we lived in England, uh, and we cruised to Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Was this to escape the, the Nazis during the war? Uh, we weren't. F- yes, we cruised from England to oh, Sweden okay. <laughs> to escape the Nazis. Oh, I thought you were coming. That's over right. From or join. Exactly, yeah, no. I mean, I thought, it was, I thought you were coming you know, over from Gdansk. No, no. Uh, so I don't really remember it, frankly. Uh, I find the whole cruise thing really kind of bizarre. I don't. I don't. I don't. I would rather just go to an island and be on the island for a week instead of traveling on the sea from. Like beach to beach for six hours at a time. It doesn't make any sense. I absolutely to me. Uh, agree because when you file, we found a. Fan. I'm sure the week. Well, I'm sure the weekly standard oh, cruise is fantastic. Yeah, a, yeah, well, but, a lot of people don't well, even want to leave the ship. Well, right, but, I mean, those are Bill those Crystal are you know you're, it's like the journey cruise, right? You're there to see the stars. 
So and to to well, listen to the this is you know, I mean you need to like as you get older Lentz. you get to sort of step outside yourself and understand that like different people in different life stages have different needs and experiences. I would say terrible, especially would for I, older especially for older people. Um, or if you like if your parents are older, you want to go on a vacation with them, going to cruises. Again, it's it's a, a very useful way to experience that part of the world with people who have you know, for whom mobility is a little bit difficult or. For whom the task of like getting on a bunch of different airplanes or like renting their own car on an island for two weeks, it's you know this way you're you're all, you're basically in a floating hotel that delivers a different beach and a different island to you every day or every other day. But don't you usually have to fly to the cruise ship? Yeah, well, unless you live in Florida, which that's is right, like which the vast it. majority. Yeah, which, which you know, um, no, enough. it's it. Fair enough. It's great. This this is why not a lot of like twenty five year olds go on cruises, and except cruises for like the Bud Light cruise. Mm-hmm. The Bud Light. Have you cruise. seen the ads for the Bud Light cruise? That looks like the worst time in the entire world. Oh, you know what? It's funny. We had down the hall from me. There was uh, scary a room of these three Russian guys, all in their mid twenties, who were just like animals, like running around the halls. Dr- I mean, literally running up and down the halls, <laughs> drunk and screaming at four o'clock in the morning. And it was so bad that they got it talking to. Oh, from the captain? By a Dutch officer. So first it was the front desk who came and gave them a talking to. And they were like, you know, what are you going to do? And gave them the finger. And then it was the head of security who came up. I had to, I strolled past their, their room one morning when the cabin store was cleaning it. And he brought out a bag with, I mean, no fooling, like eight large bottles of like, like liquor that were just drained. Like, Like vodka, tequila, every rum. Anyway, when the, they continued their shenanigans and hijinks, they, they got called by the captain, yes. the captain's office, and the captain told them wow. that we will, we will simply just drop you off the next island if you don't. <laughs> get it. And of course, they didn't care; they Fantastic. just kept doing what they're doing. Yeah. But the whole time, I just kept thinking, "So, like, you're like some 25 year old Russian dude." Why do you choose to go on, on a Holland on, America right, which is more for a conservative no. older set? This is not carnival. Carnival would be to, what is it? No wonder they were drinking so much. Yeah. There is nothing else for those three guys yeah. to do. No, no, on, <laughs> was there on, any on, gambling on the boat? I I hear there was gambling. This is actually great. We had one guest who – so every night uh, you have dinner with a bunch of guests from the magazine. And one night I there was the, there's a seat next to me at my table empty. Because the woman was on a hot streak at the casino <laughs> and sent her husband. She said, just tell him, I'll be late. That's fair. Tell, God tell bl- Jonathan last. God bless her. I've got to keep going while it's hot. Was she <laughs> playing craps? Uh, I believe she's playing slots. Oh, oh my machine. God. Oh, God. The machine was on fire. As my mother would say, the machine is hot. And oh, it's won, hot right I now. I believe she won $1,200. Oh, good yeah, for her. And no, so no, when no. her husband came and told me, he was kind of sheepish. And I was like, are you kidding? She did exactly the right thing. No. She did make the right call. Yeah, that never happens to me. The, the, the when you're on a run, you respect no. the streak. You don't get up to go uh, like some conservative writer for a magazine. No, you respect <laughs> the streak. You shouldn't be yes. playing slots in respect the first place. Respect the machine. But I tell you, the reason why people go to slots is because even though your machine because might suck. people are hearing, easily amused by bright lights and, and pinging noises. Dings and pings. Uh, you're hearing this, the, 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 that ringing noise of somebody hitting the jackpot. And in your mind is, somebody just won big. Why can't that be me? But that's really... Story of my life. Isn't that all of us? Isn't all that the all? Time? Yeah, yes. exactly. So we might, we be, we better move on to uh, uh, the main event here. Although I will add, Jonathan, that my friend Sue Maroney, she worked on a cruise ship for a year and a half, and could probably confirm 
um, your suspicions about the uh, the dating that goes on on, on ships. Well, I let's mean, not call it dating. dating. This is casual this dating. This is so debauched that casual it makes dating. Tinder we, look you know, serious. You know, she uh, uh, she dated a guy who was also working on the you know the, the doing you know, a social job, if you will, and he was cheating on her with the hairdresser. I mean, just all sorts of things were going on. There are lots of drama. Um, anyway. Well, this is our, as I mentioned, Guilty Pleasures episode, uh, and I'd like to begin with Jonathan because uh, I think it's the main reason why um, uh, we, we thought of this. You had sent out a text at the end of Gilmore Girls, and you were clearly in a state, and none of us, of course, were watching, and what is that all about? What's happening here? So when it comes to guilty pleasures, I think you have to start with a philosophical taxonomy. Like, what are we talking about? Because I, I spent some time thinking about this, and I, I came up with four distinct categories of guilty pleasure. And you can tell me what you want to talk about, and, and we'll go from there. The first is something that's so bad it's good. Uh, for me, that's something like a, like a movie like The Quick and the Dead or Con Air, which are which are kind of terrible movies, but... But they then, like, shoot all the way around and become kind of awesome because of it. Category two is something that everyone else hates that you have found hidden merit in it. For me, that would be, like, professional wrestling. I love I love me some WWE. Actually, it's my hope that we can have a whole show on wrestling at some point. But I don't know if either of you guys are into it. Um, Do you think we can get Linda McMahon in studio? In this show. <laughs> not after the piece I wrote about her, no. Oh. Uh, I did, did, you, a profile did you say about something? Linda McMahon a couple oh. years ago. Maybe. She's a forgive and forget Possibly. kind of person. Especially, oh, yeah. No, I hear so McMahon's are totally like that. So is her husband. Yeah. Um, as an aside, if you, got, if you haven't... Have you guys seen Wrestling Isn't Wrestling, the Max Landis short yes. film about Fantastic. wrestling? Have you, Victor? Uh, no, I saw The Wrestler. Uh, it was depressing. I'll put this in show notes. Max Landis, the brilliant screenwriter. Actually, we should do a whole Max Landis show someday because he's so great. That will, he did. that will drive all the right people crazy <laughs> doing a Max Landis show. <laughs> so he did a, a short about wrestling mm. and about why mm-hmm. this hidden, you know, why wrestling is actually awesome and it's amazing and everybody should watch it. Uh, so category three is something that is meant for an audience very different from you but that you just kind of really jones on. Uh, so for me, like I was like, like Dawson's Creek, Bring It On, Can't Hardly Wait, like any teen coming of age movie, these are pitched for people who are any decades, teen girl movie. Why? decades younger than me. Why, and why, I just, why? I like them. I don't I, I know why don't, I like I them. I don't think I there's anything do. wrong with that at all. Like like me hanging out at you Club don't. Hal on the ship. <laughs> I, I like to hang out with those kids. <laughs> There's no age limit, is there? Was there an age limit on that on that on that special section of the boat? What was the club? Club Howl, which club is Howl? All America. Club it's Howl. Like the end, it's like the end it's of Boogie like... Nights where he's talk, Burt Reynolds is talking to the colonel. Oh, it's, it's nothing like that at all. Okay. You didn't so touch her, did you? They're so small, JBL. Uh, they're so small. <laughs> okay. So, and then, but ahead, category yes. four, then, is something. Then this is, to my mind, the true guilty pleasure. It is the kind of thing that you actually hate yourself for liking. And for me, that's what Gilmore Girls is. But I don't know about you guys. I don't know what no. you guys how, how, like. What, well, what what sort of guilty pleasures do you guys want to talk about? Well, no, I was thinking about shows like, you know, Melrose Place and Party of Five. But I, I, I really like to know. So this would be like so bad it's good. Yeah, I guess that, right. would, be, I guess that would be that category of it. But uh, when did you start watching Gilmore Girls? At the beginning, like back in the CW, uh, the WB days? Episode one, WD. I was doing it for work. I was writing for, I was writing a regular column for a site called BeliefNet at the time. You were writing this TV is, recaps? Uh, no, this was a this was a piece about, so Gilmore Girls grew out of an interesting financing uh, thing. So it was Procter & Gamble and a bunch of advertisers 
were worried that there wasn't anything wholesome on television, and so they put together a bunch of seed money to help get a pilot made. And the pilot they chose, the script they chose, was Gilmore Girls from Amy Sherman Palladino. And I suspect that what sold them on it was like the most... (laughs) The worst reading of the show and the most reductive reading of the show, which is that it is it is basically an anti-abortion show in its own way. Although I'm sure everybody associated with the show is pro-choice. I'm sure that everybody associated with the show would swear up and, and, and down. And herself pro-choice short. Yeah, I'm sure she does. That said, the premise of the show, because you guys have never seen it, I believe, is before the show begins, years, years before the show begins, uh, there is a young teenage girl named Lorelai Gilmore who grows up as the daughter of a very wealthy couple in Connecticut where the dad is an insurance uh, magnate and and executive. And uh, she gets herself pregnant at about age 17, and she keeps the baby, decides she's going to keep the baby, runs away from home, and just sort of moves five towns over and decides she's going to raise the baby herself and get her own, get a job. And and so (laughs) It's about as pro-life as it gets. And I think that's why the advertisers decided to to back it. But then, of course, the show has nothing to do with being pro-life. The show has nothing to do with abortion politics on its own. I think that the advertisers just looked at that in, like, the very first five minutes of the show and thought, oh, wholesome Mm -hmm. conservative, blah, blah, blah. So that's why I was watching in the beginning. I was was writing about this this financing thing for for BeliefNet. As a a quick aside, Jonathan— well, you were watching it on the WB at the time, which was 1999, maybe, 2000? When was Sounds that? Sounds right. 2000. If you called, Jonathan, if you called the WB main studios in Hollywood and a receptionist answered, what would he or she have to say when they picked up the phone? The dubba dubba wb right? Wasn't yeah, that? That's what they said. No, they literally <laughs> had to do that. Or a guy right? or a girl had to answer every time the phone rang and say that. Yes. Okay. So anyway, um, that was your guilty pleasure. That was yes, that was my guilty pleasure, and I I watched it, and I mean I was going to tell you guys my whole like theory of the Gilmore Girls, but since you haven't seen no, it, no, you won't I'm be all, able to participate. I'm, all, I would, I'm all ears. I would just say this: that the show is it centers around three women. There is the the grandmother Emily Gilmore, who is already very, I've turned to another channel by the way, very domineering and is sort of a, a tough person, and is in constant conflict with her daughter Laura Lai Gilmore, played by the great Lauren Graham, who also turns out to be a really gifted writer. Um, she's written a couple books, um, both of which my wife tells me are really good. And uh, and then there is the granddaughter, played by Alexis Bledel, Rory Gilmore. And Alexis Bledel is a young, very bright, young, ambitious young girl who uh, winds up going to Yale and becoming a journalist and is seen as really the heart of the show. And I... I have an alternate theory in which actually Rory Gilmore, played by Alexis Bledel, is the villain of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that Emily Gilmore, the, the <laughs> domineering right. grandparent, Look, is I've nev- actually the hero. I've never the heroine. I've never watched a single second of this show, but that sounds exactly right. And let that me, sounds exactly right, let me just Let me just say this, and then we'll move right along from Gilmore Girls. Um, you could have retitled this series, Rory Gilmore, the first millennial. <laughs> Because she is, in retrospect, we didn't even have, like, the term millennials back then. And in retrospect, she is everything that we have come to hate about millennials. Like, she throws this huge self-indulgent tantrum when she gets only gets into Yale and doesn't get into Harvard. She wants to grow up to become an opinion journalist. She idolizes... Uh, <laughs> not a reporting, not a reporter. No, no, no she's, she idolizes... And now I'm blanking on the name. Um, the foreign correspondent, uh, ABC... Yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Christiana Amanpour. Right, Christiana Amanpour is her hero. She goes to Yale and becomes a total skull and bones groupie. 
and then sort of avariciously climbs from not just like her mere real wealth of her her grandparents to this guy who's basically the son of like a, a Rupert Murdoch type. So like insane, mm. giant corporate conglomerate wealth. Uh, and then starts writing for The New Yorker, we learned in the new oh. thing. And I would say if they were shooting if they were shooting Gilmore Girls today, hand to God, Rory Gilmore would grow up to work at Vox. Yeah. That sounds about right. It's very deep. She's the villain. That's very deep. <laughs> I only know Alexis Bledel from uh, her uh, brief cameo on Mad Men, and she's fantastic. Uh, she has a brief dalliance with Vincent Kartheiser, Pete Campbell, of course, who, in fact, in real life, as you were saying, is her husband. I, you know, I've never understood why her career has not taken off. She's in Sin City. She has, I she's hate great Sin in Sin City, City. And she's the only good How thing can in you that hate movie. Sin City? It's horrible. You're an idiot. Of course, you know what? Of course, the guy who likes. Idiot. Uh, Sucker Punch likes Sin City. Sin City 2 is even better Um, than Sin City. No, that's not true. Yeah. So, no, so I've never understood why she gets her. But you want to say that. Here's the thing. If you were back in 2000 looking at this show, and I showed you like the first season of Gilmore Girls, and I then said to you, one of the actors in this show is going to become a giant movie star making $18 million a picture who's going to like headline things running from gross out comedies to buddy cop action adventure stuff. I would have picked Melissa McCarthy. Obviously. Yeah, you would have said, well, obviously, <laughs> that's, that's, Melissa that's, that's, McCarthy. I would have definitely picked that. I would have nailed that question. <laughs> and because she, in the show, she's she's funny, but she's, like, very nervous and sort of, you know, she's a very nervous, shy, sweet, sort of eccentric. And there's nothing to hint at, like, her giant outsized personality mm-hmm. and how, like, her really, really great sense of comic timing. So, so what was the Netflix? Uh, they were off the air. For several years, the Gilmore Girls. Years and years and years. And the show ended badly with the show creator being kicked off by the network like six with half a season left or a full season but left. There was no, so the show never ended the way she wanted to There was to no end surprise it. ending of the way it ended at, at just a couple of uh, weeks ago is what you're saying. It just ended. Right. Badly. The show just sort of ended mm-hmm. badly in the way that this sometimes happens, right, yeah. when creators yeah. get into fights yeah. with, yeah. The, with the yeah. network mm-hmm. late in the series mm-hmm. of the show. This happened on uh, Time of Your Life, that wonderful TV show with Jennifer Love Hewitt. And the uh, lesser-known uh, Jennifer Garner. Another one, right? You can imagine. I've always liked to think about that show and what it was like on set, where Jennifer Love Hewitt, I'm sure, was the queen bee. When you know, and you know, <laughs> little, you know, the extra Jennifer Garner over there, and then Jennifer Garner becomes the giant movie star. And, and in fact, her and Jennifer her, Love Hewitt becomes the horse whisperer. But, <laughs> Whisperer. It's that other whisperer. No, wait, the ghost whisperer. Ghost whisperer. Yeah. And she's wonderful, and I'll never say anything bad the about ghost her. Ghost whisperer was on for like seven seasons. I mean, you know Jennifer, Jennifer Love Hewitt has a pretty had a pretty solid career. And you know what? She'll and you always know what happened have to Jennifer Garner? Here at the Nothing. Center. Jennifer Garner disappeared. <laughs> credit card Garbage. commercials. Credit card commercials. Credit card commercials. She, that butter movie. And uh, she was the awful oh, Electra. Electra. She was the awful Electra that bombed. And no, she was alias. Set, yeah, alias. set alias women back great in, in she comic just book did movies by decades. Movie, Sonny. She just did a religious movie. I'm sure that was great. <laughs> alias is the, great. She, she got she killed off. Alias. Oh, alias is great. Yeah. Alias was low rated and got canceled quickly. Five I think seasons. This, it was it was J.J. Like Abrams. Seasons, it, was, it ran its course. Ah, whatever. J. J. Who cares? Back when J.J. Abrams yeah. knew how to end things. Jennifer Gardner, <laughs> Jennifer Gardner actually got killed off on Time of Your Life. That's it. She was mugged. And then they had to solve her murder. And then the show ended. I don't I'm even sure remember this at, show. At Jay Love's total behest. <laughs> you kill her off! <laughs> like Soap Dish. Like, you remember right, Soap yeah. Dish? Like, the yeah, machinations right. where the writers are basically right. at the wait, wait, beck and call the I'm stars. Sorry. I don't even remember the show with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Jennifer Garner that you're talking about. Oh, uh, it, it was the Party of Five spinoff. Sarah Reeves. Wasn't it a direct spinoff of Party of Five? Sarah Reeves, who was Bailey's girlfriend on Party of Five. Speaking of guilty pleasures, Victorino, is there something you'd like to tell us? Let's get into it right now, then. Okay, fine. 
I loved Party of Five, but mostly because of uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, Party of Five, however, was a story about you know these five kids who are orphaned because their parents were killed by a drunk driver. And this is, I think, in San Francisco. And they had a restaurant called Salinger's. That's the last name. And so uh, once a week they meet and get together, and it's about their um, their lives. But it was quite a, a stellar cast. You had uh, Matthew Fox as the oldest brother, Charlie, right? And then you, well, you Best had... Best known as Racer X. Okay, thank you. And then... Uh, from, Lost, from the Witch House. From, Lost, from the Witch House. No, Lost I know. Also. But also a Nev Campbell uh, as uh, Julia. Uh, Scott Wolf. I don't know where he is these days, but he was Bailey, and he was a big star at that time. Yes, thank you, Sonny, for that motioning of a bottle. Who knows? But uh, Was that a bottle? Uh, I don't know. And Lacey Shabir. Uh, the Lacey great Lacey Chabert was uh, fetch Claudia. is not going to happen. Fetch, yeah. From, from Stop trying to make fetch happen. Of mean Girls fame, she's wonderful, and, and she then, was uh, like a season of Family Guy. And then what happened? Or, I don't Lacey know, Chabert. but I will also say they had a youngest uh, uh, brother, Owen, and they kept on switching him out with different actors, much mm-hmm. like on Mad Men with the son. So it's one of those situations. But in any event, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt was wonderful, and then she became successful, uh, and then she did. And then she gave her her own show on Fox, uh, Time of Your Life, and that that did not work out so well for her. But she did uh, Can't Hardly Wait, and that's really all that matters. Also, wasn't she in the uh, I Know What You Did? In House Arrest, movies? but she was a little young on that Wasn't one. she in I Know What You Did last time? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Can I tell you a brief digression? Please. So Matthew Fox, it. during his wilderness years after Party of Five, when he basically couldn't get work, I was out in Los Angeles with a friend – uh, who works in the industry, and she said, I, I really want to go see uh, – I got a friend who's doing some experimental theater. Can we go see that for the w- night? Was it Matthew so Fox said, sure. or uh, 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 Scott Wolf? Uh, Scott Wolf, it turns out, was sitting behind us. <laughs> there were 12 people in the audience, and, and there might have been more. There might have been like 20 people in the audience. Uh, and Matthew Fox was part of this experimental theater troupe, and they put on a production of Macbeth, all one act – Set in the Stone Age. Sure. So they're all cavemen. That makes sense. Are they using the Shakespeare lines or are they uh, oh, grunting? Yeah. Is it grunting? No, no. It was It was not like, ugh. <laughs> uh, it was shooting the actual. Something but it was, wicked this way. Ugh. It was right. one of those. And, and Matthew Fox himself was Macbeth. And it was one of these moments where the choices being made were so <laughs> horrible but I don't want to judge. This is why you have experimental theater, right? Not all of your choices have to be have to work out. You you're there to broaden yourself as an actor. Yeah. Uh, but man, it was something no. else. I was, you know, in my office. I've got this uh, on my bulletin board, and I put it on there. I still have varieties. 1998 fall primetime scheduled because I'm that ancient. Uh, but if you look at it, there's a bunch of Sunny was four. Sunny was four. There was a bunch of really interesting um, guilty pleasure shows on that. On, on that board, uh, we were just talking about some of them. On, uh, for example, on Fox, uh, on Fox on uh, Mondays it was Melrose Place followed by Ally McBeal, and then on Wednesdays the other powerhouse they had was Beverly Hills uh, 90210 followed by Party of Five, which was pretty powerful. They all had the X Files, but I don't count that as a guilty pleasure. It was just a good show. Um, and then of course on the WB, uh, Jonathan, it was uh, on Tuesdays it was Buffy followed by Felicity. And then on Wednesdays, it was Dawson's Creek followed by Charmed. Wait, so Buffy followed by Felicity. So it is Joss Whedon followed by J.J. Abrams. (laughs) And who would have thought back then that these guys would have directed two of the top three grossing movies of all time? Is that right? With the Avengers and Force Awakens? Uh, Two of the top four? Domestic. 
Two of the top four domestic. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's that's very interesting. Mm, that's yeah. insane. I, I'm surprised that uh, Stellan Skarsgård didn't have a cameo on Felicity <laughs> because he seems to appear in all these movies uh, or a uh, uh, Buffy. Uh, but you know, again, uh, Dawson's Creek was another great one that I loved, and uh, and I'll also say I believe that was uh, another fan of uh, Dawson's Creek was our uh, editor uh, Richard Starr. Uh, loved par- uh, Dawson or Party of Five. He loved Party of he Five. He was a Party of Five yeah. guy. No, and then the other one, of course, was Melrose Place, which was completely trashy, and yeah. it was ridiculous. And it was they had the weirdest thing, which was, uh, you know, uh, Heather Locklear appeared in every season except for the first one. And this must be in a contract, but every time they had the opening credits for like the next eight or nine seasons, she was the last one and was an and... special guest star, Heather Locklear. Even though she was on for like eight seasons, it just whenever uh, you see that, you know that some lawyer billed about a thousand hours mm-hmm. to come up with that solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it was ridiculous. And I was going to say uh, w- one of the reasons why I remembered one of the subplots. Uh, there was a, a, a Dr. Kimberly, and she had a uh, she was by multiple personality disorder, and then the bad personality was Betsy, and she tried to give everybody a lobotomy. Uh, and they were rescued, luckily, by Priscilla Presley's character. Uh, and the reason why I remember this is because I wrote about it and it was one of the first things. I wrote a, a Guilty Pleasures uh, piece for a, uh, a small publication in 1998 called Squire Magazine. Not Esquire. Not Esquire. I like to say Squire. it. I say it fast enough. Esquire Magazine. I say it fast enough. I wrote, I wrote, oh, yeah, no, I've written for Esquire. For Squire <laughs> and I believe Jonathan was the editor of Esquire. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan. And that was That's Jonathan's uh, startup. Our, our little... Our little e-zine, right? Zine. Zine. It was, it was a zine back was, in the zine Was days. it a blog? Was it a web blog? It was not a web blog. It was a zine. Yeah. It was e-zine. e-zine. We called it e-zines. And, and, uh, we were too early. If we had been five years later, we could have raised about $400 million in venture capital for that thing. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, and as the most story of our lives, uh, the other <laughs> thing, really, I mean, we're always like too late or too early. But uh, the uh, this is why we started a podcast. At the started. end of 2016, <laughs> by the way, you know, there aren't any podcasts. Out yeah, there. Yeah, it's it, a real growth it, market. It, it, it's good. It's good it's, that we've got three dudes not, talking about culture. It's, it's not a coincidence that this it. started, and I got I just got Inch. a Blu-ray player. It's not. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> the, the but I was going to say, Jonathan. Uh, I think Monica Lewinsky was a fan. She, she, was, she was one of our readers. One of your readers was we Monica Lewinsky. Email database of people who signed up for alerts and, before she was famous. And, and and you had a launch party at like Tortilla Coast or one of those places. Joe Scarborough like stopped by and hung Joe out Scarborough. with us. Yes. Yes. It was great. Nice. Nice. Those are the good old days. Nice. It, was, it was excellent. Now, what about you, Sonny? Are you? Did you only watch cool films from the time you were born? I don't believe in guilty pleasures. This is a, <laughs> no. This is like a. This is like a, I think it's a category error. I think that the idea that you should feel guilt for taking pleasure in. Uh, cultural objects is is uh, uh, part of capitalism's uh, project to destroy us and make us all go to psychiatrists. Um, Tell me uh, more. I no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I. I. If we are in in the classic sense of the guilty pleasure of thing that you watch that you know is not good and yet you still enjoy. Um, I would say my my biggest one probably for the last year or two has been uh, all of the ridiculous like. Uh, uh, home makeover shows on HGTV. Wow. Like Flipper Flop. I watched that show. Uh, you did this before you had children? Or no, after? this was this was mostly as a result of uh, both my wife being pregnant and then us having the child and like having just like sitting around. And, but like that also stretches out into like Bar Rescue with John Taffer, your friend. Oh, the great and bar. Yeah, John Taffer. Who, and, and like the thing I really like about these shows is that uh, 
I mean, they're all vaguely kind of ridiculous and, you know, who knows how real right. they are, whatever. Right. But you, you actually do learn things about the bar industry, like the butt funnel. The butt funnel uh, that John Taffer talks about all the time is one of the great uh, inventions of all time. It's a thing in a bar where you, you, it, you like, build little uh, barriers so you force customers to rub up against each other. It's like it's like forced uh, it's like forced manufactured I you were consent. About something else? No, the butt funnel is a that. Well, that's a. Chug. I know what you're thinking. That was the, the, chug. the butt chugging. Okay. Yes, you needed a funnel for that. The good news is I don't think this episode will get an E. I have a feeling. Yeah, I'm sure we'll. We're going to bleep out the f bomb, right? Yeah. Uh, and the uh, and, and on like flipper flop, you know, my wife and I remodeled our bathroom, and we had all sorts of ideas in our head from that Did dumb you put a butt show. Funnel in it? That did not have a butt funnel. They could. We could. We could. I mean, you only really have one person at a time in the bathroom, so you don't need a butt funnel so much. So that's how things are in your house. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh. So th- th- is, and that's it. That's anyway, your, yeah, no, I. But I like I. I. You know, you you say things like why why should Con Air be a guilty pleasure when it's just a good movie? Like it's just because it's not a because it's 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 funny. It has great action scenes. Uh, it uh, moves from from moment to moment. It's got great performances from high caliber acting talent. And the guy who plays Poe. Yeah, it's well, Poe. Uh, po, what was his name? Poe no, Dameron. Not Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. It's not uh, Poe Dameron. Cameron. Is it Cameron Poe? Cameron Poe. Cameron Poe. Po? Po? Uh, yeah, po. Nick Cage. You've got Nick Cage. You've got uh, John, Malkovich. John Malkovich. John Malkovich, and you know. Uh, Danny Trejo yeah. and uh, Steve Buscemi and yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I put I... Steve Buscemi on the map for America, isn't it? Did that come out before or after Fargo? I feel I feel like Fargo probably no, far, put him on the map. If you were like into indie movies, mm-hmm. you already knew who Steve Buscemi right, was. Right? What is that movie? White Alligator normal, or something or Smoke? Or yeah, but if movies. you were just a normal mm-hmm. like popcorn multiplex kind of movie theater, yeah, that's more. yeah, that that maybe maybe true, maybe true. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I I don't feel I I don't feel guilt for enjoying you know movies that come out of the studio system that people judge as bad. That's why we have the auteur theory to relieve all guilt that you feel for liking bad studio product. So what if you like what if you like the first Transformers? I'm I'm just looking to find to get to because like the first Transformers movie I think defies any sort of judging even it's it's like the platonic ideal for cinematic product mm-hmm. you can't even say it's bad it just sort of is it mm-hmm. exists on, on, why would that, on its own merits. well then why would that be a guilty pleasure uh because it's why would terrible I feel guilt? how is it mean, isn't it, it terrible if it's a movie created to be enjoyed and you enjoy it then it's not terrible oh, it's, 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 not, literally it's, not, subjective. it's not created to be enjoyed it's, it's, it's of course created it is to, it's to created to be enjoyed money. it's created the only reason it makes money is because people enjoy them People no, don't go. People it don't is, go to the Transformers movies because they hate. It them. is a river of intellectual property designed to capture money and dollars. Oh, at who's like the communist now? Yeah, well, yeah, well, you know. So look, here's here's we no, will seize I mean, the means of production. No, but I mean, like we here the the Transformers movies are. I I don't think they're particularly good. I don't enjoy them. I would never pay to go see a Transformers movie, but I think a lot of people do really enjoy them, and I can understand why. Kind of, they're kind of like Shia LaBeouf, underrated. Kind of funny. Uh, uh, well, we'll do a whole, got, whole episode got, on that. It's got big. <laughs> it's got big action set pieces. It's got splashy special effects. Mm-hmm. It's it's dumb enough that you can shut your brain off and just watch the moving pictures on the screen like you're an infant uh, having a f- picture book flipped in front of you. So like I, I, it does what it's supposed to do, which is anesthetize the masses. I don't care. The first one has a Spectre gunship destroying a Decepticon, and that's amazingly cool. <laughs> 
Well, there See? you go. Well, <laughs> so how, why would you feel guilt for enjoying that? Because that, that is not what uh, evolved people should find entertaining. What, oh. you know, I'll throw this one. G.I. Joe Retaliation. Mm-hmm. Have you seen G.I. Joe Retaliation? Yeah. A ter- just a terrible movie. Uh, is it? I, but yet I love it. I think it's kind of great. You have this fantastic... Jo- Jonathan Price is amazing in this movie. Yeah. At playing a Zartan, playing the president. And there's that scene where he launches the nuclear missiles, uh-huh. and he's just sort of totally unhinged, and nobody else in the room understands what he's doing. And it's got The Rock being The Rock. The Rock being The Rock. And it's got <laughs> Bruce Willis being Bruce Willis. RZA showing up as a blind, ancient kung fu master. Oh, that's right. The in like is full in yeah. black exploitation kung fu homage. And it, and all of this sort of works together, but only in a so bad it's good way. It does not function in the same. Well, way. that's your other no, category. That's like so Truffaut bad it's good. Movies. So bad it's good. I don't. But again, like you say, it's so bad it's so good. But all it's trying to do is is provide uh, levity and entertainment for you know an hour and forty five minutes or whatever. So you would. So if it does that, it, it's not bad. It's good. It's actually so, so good. It's good. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. Well. Nailed all right. It. Do we have any other thoughts on this? I, I I don't really know what. To well, what is your? You haven't given us your guilty pleasure. I did. I talked about. He talked about. He talked about. He talked about terrible '90s Fox See? shows for like but ten it's, minutes. It's, it's, it's not, not, it's it's not terrible absurd. because you're giving. What about Models Inc? Did you like Models Inc? No, I never it. watched. Totally watched that. Kindred the Embraced. Totally watched it. Oh, I remember. Is that was that the vampire show? Yes. Yeah, I, you know I never what? watched that. That is another show. Fifteen years too early. If that had come out post Twilight, it would have been the biggest thing on television. People were not ready for that sort of. Vampire embrace, shall we say? Mantis. <laughs> embrace Mantis. of the vampire, that's what I meant to say. No, that's that's okay, Alyssa Milano. That's, yeah. That's a guilty you should pleasure. Feel guilty that's for, a real guilty You pleasure. should feel guilty from taking pleasure from Embrace of the Vampire. Yes, Wait, thank is you. that well, a, Thank you. Is that yes. A, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, okay. let's right. move on. No, no, let's not move on. Let's talk. You know, she <laughs> went up on Charmed. I, well, there you go. Charmed, another guilty pleasure. See? Okay. And Buffy, you're a huge Buffy fan. Yeah, but Buffy, there's no guilt in Buffy. Buffy was a, a very clever, well-constructed show. Uh, and and no. Joss Whedon, for all of his political tomfoolery, uh, is is a tremendous storyteller. And the best Hallmark, it's like he's not the same storyteller he was 20 years ago. Like his his stuff is much better. Sure. He's really grown. Right. He's not doing the same thing, right. which I would say okay. some people, Amy Sherman Palladino, are still doing the same stuff they were right. doing 10 right. years ago. Shots fired. Okay. Uh, we need to move on to corrections. Jonathan, oh, clarifications, comments, whatever. Jonathan, you have stuff. Uh, yes, I have a few things. The first we mentioned in the last episode, talking about toys, the 80, I said there was an 80s football kicker game. I couldn't find the, the name. Super Toe, also marketed under the name Super Jock. <laughs> so okay. there were there were two, JBL Super Jock two of them. I think Stretch it would last Armstrong. after like a week. It would be broken. I think basically yes. Uh, we talked about Stretch Armstrong. You said that there was the the villain. The villain Green Lizard was Stretch Monster. A stretch Monster, very clever. Uh, I would never um, have thought of that. Out of curiosity, Wikipedia tells me that Stretch Armstrong was made of latex rubber filled with gelled corn syrup. Yeah, yeah, that felt and like that it. Mint condition Stretch Armstrongs today sell for, according to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, sometimes thousands of dollars. Hmm. Like if you had it in stretch the box. in a box. Uh, yes, but it also has to be stored at the correct temperature. Otherwise, oh. the gelled corn syrup would have so yes. room temperature constantly is what you need. Yes. Hmm. Run home and check to see if you this, still have This happened Armstrong. to Stretch Monster. He froze, and he was never, he was the, never, same. The, never same. the same. He was never the same. He was never the uh, same. And finally, the Contra Code. I did the Contra Code wrong, and I am up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start. And I am 
having used that not because you know the contra code is used on hundreds of games like programmers just put mm-hmm. that as an easter egg mm-hmm. into all sorts mm-hmm. of games mm-hmm. and having used that myself hundreds of times i am shocked that i got that wrong and embarrassed so that was my brother who pointed it out to me and made fun of me as he was doing it all right uh sunny what were correct you what were your corrections mr perfect i actually had i did have Ooh, one correction this time sorry. i had one correction uh we were talking about the star wars uh toys that came out in like the 90s remember the ones that i yes. put on my way people Walmart. wanted to ask about that too. uh it was 1995 when those came out. I was 13, not so not 97 when I was when I was 15. And they were kind of muscled out, right? I mean, they were all sort of. I mean, they I were not really the same. Guess, thing. Much I mean, like Mark Hamill himself. <laughs> um, How tall is he? Do we think he's five two? No, uh, maybe five five. five five or five six. Five five. Uh, he just took a picture with my neighbor, who is. I bet you could look uh, it up on about Google. five five. So maybe he's five six. I, I'll, I'll put it because the end of Force Awakens, yeah. he looks like a hobbit. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. Um, he got shrunk on that planet because of the gravity. Um, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about uh, in the Christmas episode. We were talking about uh, the Christmas story, and Jonathan sort of offhandedly had re- mentioned. Uh, Ralphie sticking his tongue on the flagpole, and we said it wasn't Ralphie, and we moved on from there. More interesting, the kid who stuck his tongue on the flagpole, his name was Scott Schwartz, and he was the child actor. Scott Schwartz, he was in a movie called Kid Co., and he was in The Toy with Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason. I mean, that's a big deal to start with those guys. Is this the one who became an adult film? And very good, Sonny. He became a porn star. See, this is not really a correction. You just wanted to talk about porn. I wanted to talk about You wanted to talk about children moving into porn movies. Yes, and and he left it. It just wasn't his thing. But the the funny thing in in The Toy was he played this uh, rich rich kid. uh, uh, His last name was Bates, and so the butlers had to call him Master Bates the entire movie. I thought that was good. Wait, he, it's a cheap laugh. You're saying he left porn? Yeah, he was fed up with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Apparently he gave him the shaft. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, we were talking also about the Star Wars universe and Jonathan. You were saying, oh, it would be great if they had like these smaller $30 million Star Wars picks, like just lives of the bounty hunters and stuff like that. And there is a terrific uh, Seth Green robot chicken video on YouTube uh, about Bosk. Just a brief, like, uh, a day in the life of Bosk, and it's fantastic. And if you just do Star Wars Robot Chicken Bosk, it's fantastic. It's short. It's wonderful. We'll have to put that in show notes. Yes. Uh, and finally, a special shout-out to a longtime listener, my good friend John Buckley, who uh, recently received 18 copies of the Weekly Standard at his doorstep in Morganville, New Jersey. The postman screwed up and gave all the subscribers in the township uh, to one address, and it landed on him. So uh, Buckley uh, drove around and hand delivered, or yeah, drove and hand delivered all seventeen copies uh, of the magazine to different places nice. in New Jersey. And he said it was a great way to find out where other subscribers live. I don't know if that's legal. Yeah, not creepy at all. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, does he have a database? Yes. <laughs> now he knows where they live. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> on to spirit of the week. We've got a special spirit this week. Normally, we've been doing brown spirits, which I love, but recently. We received in the mail a gorgeous bottle of glass vodka from Seattle. It's named in honor of all those glass artisans up there in the Pacific Northwest. It was started by Ian McNeil. It's distilled from Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc grapes. Uh, I'm having it on the rocks. Sunny is under the weather. Um, but I have to tell you, it is delicious. There's just you know light floral notes. You're not supposed to actually enjoy 
you know, vodka straight unless you're you're a dipsomaniac. You know, you have a drinking problem. That's what they all drink is vodka on the rocks. That's slowly changing with better vodka that's coming out, and you can just have it on the rocks. And this is what's happening here. With um, either better vodka or more alcoholism. Well, yeah, no. So, you know, you know take your pick. It's one of those. Less shame. I haven't, I haven't looked into those studies. It's either, it's either better vodka, more alcoholism, or just less shame. It indicates that's, to me that also it's not one of these. got all three in It's this not one. one of these five or ten time distilled products because the more you distill it, the more it tastes like ethanol. This habit has worked out great for Russians. Yes. No, they, they like theirs closer to ethanol. Uh, this is like probably three or four times distilled, so it still has all its flavor intact. Uh, while we're on the topic of booze, uh, we'd like to have a, a public service announcement from our friends at the Distilled Spirits Council. When it comes to drinking, what do you think moderation is? The U.S. Dietary Guidelines define moderation as up to one drink a day for women and up to two drinks a day for men. So what's a drink? The guidelines say a drink equals 12 ounces of beer, 5 ounces of wine, or a cocktail with 1.5 ounces of distilled spirits. Each contains the same amount of alcohol. If you'd like to learn more, visit drinkinmoderation.org. And that's all the time we have on this week's episode of The Substandard. Questions, comments, compliments, complaints, tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch, maybe at JV Last. No. <laughs> Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, just type in substandard on a podcast. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Until next time. That's rich having you do a PSA about moderation. Well, again, as I said at the beginning of the show, Jonathan, they wanted to find somebody who's been there, who's seen the dark side. And I mean, you probably, poured, you probably poured yourself at least three, three uh, servings. <laughs> I'm not driving. I'm not driving, so that's That's moderation. That's good. Moderation. I believe in moderation and everything. When your car has autopilot, has autopilot, right? So you've you've you just press that, you're fine. No, it's not like you know. I was thinking back. You don't want to. You want to talk about the opposite of moderation. Drunk Vic always believed that the emergency (laughs) brake on his car was actually the autopilot, autopilot. the autopilot lever. Don't sleep. Don't sleep at the traffic light because it's going to turn green soon. I'll just warn you about that. Also, that's a mistake. Yes, and and no. I mean, that's what Uber's for. Uber's a godsend for everybody because yeah. No, this is true. Can you tell us the story of Fifty Five and Still Alive? Oh, well, really briefly. That's a college story, but I went to Georgetown, which is not really a big drinking school. And then we had a friend who was known as the man. It's like Ohio State. Not yeah, really a no, football. It's, it's, not really a football school. Not a big program there. Not a big program there. And he, a, uh, a friend of mine, he had come over with a housewarming present of vodka, but, you know, college couldn't afford much. So he got a plastic bottle of Chesapeake vodka. And, Chesapeake and then vodka. But he came to the house. Wow. The, the apartment. in poor. Yes. And, and, and he came to the house, and everyone's like, well, you know, we're all leaving. We're doing different things. Uh, we'll be back later. He says, fine, I'll just hang here at the apartment. And so he hung out there with his bottle gift and then got out a bottle of Coca-Cola and then just started making him vodka Cokes until, until the bottle was empty. Until so it died? So and 55, well, he almost 55 is 55, what? 55 shots. So what, we did, what the guys did when they came back and found him and it was a mess. Um, and this guy, he, he was known colloquial and As he was known as, as the, man, the man. The man. He got confused. He was using the sink as the toilet. He thought the sink was the toilet. The worst part was there were dishes in the sink. Oh. Anyway, that's college for you. And they measured out the bottle and it came to 55 shots. So uh, that is that story. But that is not <laughs> moderation. And take it from me, it's a terrible thing. Um, the other terrible story I would say is the bar that had a great idea for my friend uh, Sue Maroney. Again, uh, she gets mentioned twice on this episode. Her birthday, like for her 24th or 25th birthday, the bar said, we, we'll make you a deal. Uh, bring your friends over. We don't know who they are. Bring your friends over. And from the hours of 5 to 9 for $25, 
all you can drink. <laughs> anything on the shelf. That's Top a, shelf, anything. And that's nuts. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. That's a deal. terrible yeah. business idea. It's like the Simpsons episode with all you can eat. All you can eat, yes. Yeah. At the Homer, the Homer yeah. just crushes right. and they kick At the out. Frying Dutchman. At the Frying Dutchman. And what happens is when there's an hour to go, people start thinking, oh, God forbid I didn't have get my money's worth. Yeah. And then somebody's doing a shot to yeah. Johnny Walker oh, Blue. Yeah, and the next thing you know, Johnny Walker, then you're doing Red Death, tequila, yeah. warm room temperature, and people are saying, you know, 30 minutes left, 15 minutes left. Amazingly, like a year later, the place was shut down. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. And my brother in law, Stephen Delhouse. Has it lasted another year? My brother-in-law, Stephen Delhouse, was on the construction crew that like flattened the place, so it's very fitting. I didn't tell you guys the big news from the cruise was that I got home and the Christmas tree had not killed my other two kids. Oh, that's good. God bless. They escaped the, the murderous they Christmas tree. The murderous Christmas tree. Oh, that's right. good. Are we good? Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>